cue spunky Irish music. Welcome to the Lojo Show. Welcome to the Lojo Show. I am your host, Loverture Jones. I am the founder and managing partner at BlackRock Engineering and Technology. I have over 21 years of cybersecurity experience, and I am honored to be able to bring some of that experience to you. This is the first episode of Season 2. We are using a new, more engaging format to help our listeners digest the episodes more simply. Today, we are going to dive into some cyber news, give you our analysis, and talk about how to break into the cyber industry. I'm also here. Ah, also, hey, we're going to get a lot more of Jonathan the Ludite. <laughs> Jonathan's here. Jonathan is a producer of our show, and uh, in addition, uh, Jonathan is also the, uh, the well, you'll, you'll figure out what he is as we go on through these figure episodes out what I am. and stuff, too. And by the way, on social media and other platforms and stuff, too, if you want to know who's actually replying to you on those, <laughs> on those Twitter feeds and stuff, too, that is Jonathan. So just want to remind you guys that this is not a one-man show. It's the Lojo show, but it is absolutely armed with some of the uh, best talent we have in the industry. Best talent in the industry. Yeah, I figure it makes you feel good. All right, John. So, so if I got this right, we're you're gonna read these articles to me. Yep. And I get to provide my first take on them, huh? Yep. Hopefully, people are really interested in my first take. It was interesting. It, however, you wrote it, it's Lojo's analysis. So, I mean, that sounds fancy. Yeah. I mean, I, we'll see if that's insightful enough to be considered analysis. But uh, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. This is almost like more like trying to commentate than a sports arena that really has bad athletes, but uh, <laughs> really interesting topics. Well, we're going to start with one that uh, supports my, my Ludite uh, point of view. Are you re- ready for this one? Absolutely. So this one comes from thehackernews.com. The title of this article is Honda's Keyless Access Bug Could Let Thieves Remotely Unlock and Start Vehicles. <laughs> Your that's face is so priceless. Yes, that's the headline. That's the headline. Let's yep. uh, hear a little bit more about this. All right. A duo of researchers have released a proof of concept demonstrating the ability for a malicious actor to remote lock, unlock, and even start Honda and Acura vehicles by means of what's called a replay attack. This attack is made possible thanks to a vulnerability in its remote keyless system, CVE 2022-27254. That affects the Honda Civic, LX, EX, EXL, Touring, SI, and Type R models manufactured between 2016 and 2020. From the report, a hacker can gain complete and unlimited access to locking, unlocking, controlling the windows, opening the trunk, starting the engine of the target vehicle, where the only way to prevent the attack is to either never use your fob or, after being compromised, which would be difficult to realize, resetting your fob at a dealership. The underlying issue is that the remote key fob on the affected Honda vehicles transmits the same unencrypted radio frequency signal to the car, effectively enabling an adversary to intercept and replay the request at a later time to wirelessly start the engine, as well as lock and unlock the doors. This is not the first time a flaw of this kind has been uncovered in Honda vehicles. A related issue discovered in 2017 Honda HRV vehicles is said to have been seemingly ignored by the Japanese company. Manufacturers must implement rolling codes, otherwise known as hopping code, Rajesh said. 
It is a security technology commonly used to provide a fresh code for each authentication of remote keyless entry or passive keyless entry system. In response to the findings, Honda said this is generally not a new assertion with several past unconfirmed iterations of similar key fob devices, and in my opinion, doesn't merit any further reporting, and that it is that it has no plans to update older vehicles at this time. It appears that the device has only appeared to work within close proximity or while physically attached to the target vehicle, requiring local reception of radio signals from the vehicle's owner key fob when the vehicle is open and started nearby. It goes on, but, you know, you get the idea. This is why I'm a Ludite. I don't know if that is a good remark there, because, I mean, obviously, <laughs> as a Ludite, you don't use good locks. I mean, basically, if you have a wooden cased whatever horse and buggy, that can be broken into very easily. Well, I think you're thinking of the Amish. That's what it is. Well, you do that, but you drive a car, and you drive a Honda. I do. So. I do actually drive a Honda, but it's not a Honda listed affected by this, and I don't have a key fob to start the engine. So, again, folks, everything's vulnerable. Anything can happen at any time, right? Um, when we talk about, let's say, a prominent you know, auto manufacturer uh, that has always known that this has been a weakness there as far as the key fob entry because at the end, if you are transmitting anything that is unencrypted and stuff over that link, guess what? That can be captured and replayed. And it can be captured and replayed in the exact same format that you need to in order to compromise it. This is not a new attack. This is not a new finding that there are you know, ways to you know, subvert that. I mean, obviously, locksmiths know how to do it too, <laughs> all right? Um, but uh, just being, again, aware as far as from a cybersecurity thing, as far as on how and what can be affected. When we look at how we're getting smarter with smart cities and smart buildings and stuff too, and then begin to tie in different, um, you know, components, let's say from uh, vehicles and automobiles, you know, be aware that a lot of times as manufacturers move through this process, while they would like to say that, hey, we have a key, keen eye on security and stuff on it, but at the end, they're paid to get these things out the door quickly so that they can begin to make profit and revenue. So, again, research. Um, take a look as far as on, again, the environments that we work in and how we can be, um, you know, how, can we, how we can be compromised from a vehicle standpoint. You know, and it's not just a vehicle in this case. If they can remotely unlock and open your doors, then it makes it that much easier to steal whatever's inside of a car too, which may be your corporate laptop or your personal laptop. Or maybe yeah. things that are a little bit more personal than that. You definitely shouldn't leave your really anything in the car, but especially not your corporate laptop. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That, that would be a result of effective end-user training <laughs> if they were taught not to leave it in the car. It's great, but you know, you know how people are end-user training. If you can click through it, they'll click through it, and that's it. Yeah, that's <laughs> right? true. Um, so... Yeah, as far as just, just, again, it's a matter of knowing and knowing what you don't know at this point. So here's a notification. Just because your car doors are locked and they can be locked doesn't mean they're locked. All right. So we're going to move on to a second one. All right, let's see. So the next article is from securitymagazine.com by Randall Richard. Three reasons to reconsider automating cybersecurity. Given the growing number and complexities of today's cyber attacks, it is no secret that implementing cybersecurity products and services comes with a substantial price tag. However, when considering what level of cybersecurity is needed, insufficient security measures 
can lead to disastrous consequences and significantly affect a business's reputation and budget. Deciding the level of cybersecurity an organization needs can be a challenge. On the one hand, companies likely want to find effective yet cost-efficient solutions, while on the other, the cost of an error when introducing cheaper tools is far too high. One solution could be to automate incident prevention, as it can reduce costs and eliminate the human mistake factor. However, in practice, effective cyber protection is only possible with a combination of automated solutions and human effort. Why is that? The main reason is that cyber crimes are committed by human beings. Attackers constantly come up with new ways to bypass security systems, invent and implement new sophisticated cyber tactics, and effectively use people's weakness to gain access to a company's infrastructure. Even the most sophisticated artificial intelligence, or AI, can't combat the variety of malicious activities because it works on the basis of previously acquired and learned experience. With that in mind, it is important to explore and consider several cybersecurity practices that require human involvement. For example, AI could observe what it believes to be a human-driven APT, but it turns out to be a dedicated employee conducting research. This can only be uncovered by contacting the user directly. Situational awareness is crucial to differentiate true events from false positive alerts such as this. No matter if the alert logic is based on a particular attack technique, behavior pattern, or anomaly analysis. You can also automate advanced security assessments. Assessments are critical to gain a detailed perspective of a company's cybersecurity readiness. The service uses a database of already known security issues, but can't test security systems' resilience towards sophisticated attacks and unconventional adversaries' behavior. So... I think one of the things at the beginning of, your, of this of this article um, is probably really kind of the preeminent, you know, discussion that's out there. <clears throat> Clients want easy buttons, mm. right? That's even one of my favorite terms to say when we're working with clients is like, where can we get an easy button from? Cybersecurity is not an easy button. There's not an easy button for it. Uh, and here's here's the here's the uh, here's the gist, and here's kind of what the the catch is when you're. Uh, an effective leader in cyber and you're you know effectively putting together a good program a good program for cyber is a program that uh, is indeed um, very scared right and you know from that fear you're putting in actions and activities for your personnel that means one personnel that's well trained that's well suited and you have enough personnel that scales to your organization to really understand what is your cybersecurity environment supposed to look like and also be able to understand contextually what is behavior that is correct and behavior that is not and behavior that is questionable, right? And that is within your network, right? If you are running a cybersecurity program and yet you don't have anyone that understands code, scripting, vulnerabilities, what that means, right? And then in some cases, how to actually go in and investigate, at least from a first level there, you don't have enough cybersecurity. You can have all the tools in the world, the, the fancy tools that are out there right now, but at the end, everything that's automated and that's, that it's working with is really still signature-based. Even those where you talk about AI and stuff and that it's AI-enabled and stuff from there, well, there's maybe a little bit of AI, but it's very, very small decisioning that's being made from that. But at the end of the day, it's still doing that from signatures. So <clears throat> the best people to be able to read signatures are humans. Right, to be able to understand contextually in your organization, this looks wrong, let me investigate. So it wouldn't be just, hey, go talk to the user on that. It would be, let's start crawling through what's the user behaviors been, what have they done, what are some of the things as far as files open and stuff too from that. 
so that you really actually get a true look at that investigation of it. So the tools are there as complements, but they are not a replacement. So if you say, hey, I want to fully automate my cybersecurity as an organization, that's not achievable. Okay. What, uh, what could they automate? Like, what parts do you think companies could or should automate? Mm-hmm. Obviously, you can't do the whole thing, like, like you just said, but what parts could they or should they? Okay. So automation, and I'm not even going to top cybersecurity cyber right now. I'm just going to talk uh, basic IT infrastructure uh, for your organization uh, and how that should look. One, if you are either upgrading or building a new IT infrastructure, get rid of the walls, meaning get rid of the, hey, we have that separated over here and nobody can get to that, or, hey, we've done that as well as far as separated these areas here uh, from a functionality standpoint. First, understand what assets do you have, how are they deployed, and how are they connected. If you can't present or produce a diagram with that information, or in some cases because of the technology that you have these days, from the beginning be able to pull up and display real-time how your network and network activity are working and have a visual for it, nothing that you go out and get from a security standpoint is going to resolve that for you. You need to already pull that capability in. You need to know where are your, you know, how many routers you have, right? How many switches do you have? How many, um, <clears throat> how many, uh, um, how many access points and stuff in the organization that you have? Uh, wireless access points. How many actually connect via wireless access po- access point or via physical um, connection or so on your network? Right. This is the bottom line, like just core beginning of everything. This is like the soles of your feet when it comes to security. It's just building your infrastructure right and documenting it. And in some cases, you do have tools that will allow you to go ahead and automate the discovery of that environment as much as you can and then be able to start adding context to those. So just starting with that, I mean, asset management, network mapping, and, uh, and, 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 and the ability to identify you know, devices as they come on board. There's the rudiments of security right there. So you're saying to automate that process or like, what, are, what you, are you saying for that? So what I'm saying for that is that one, Use solutions that allow you to identify those. Use okay. solutions that does that do have automations in there, mm-hmm. in which it's actually able to capture the behavior of your network, capture the overall all the assets that are on that network, and then to be able to begin to add context to those assets and those groups. So kind of like uh, like Armis, what we we just had like that four part series with them. So a tool like theirs would be something that you're trying to say would be good. So yeah, well, tool like Armis, right? Cisco has its own native tools and stuff, too, that you can use to really get that mapping, right? Mm. But it's just really at the beginning, knowing exactly what you have, right, and starting out with that first portion. And then the management of that and operations of that, that's what you want to automate, right? Okay. Then once you build that base there where you can operate and see everything that's happening, then it's a matter of, okay, now security-wise, how am I protecting each one of these functions, right? Especially if I classify one of the functions or one of the operations of that network as being critical, right? Mm. So how do I scale my security and awareness and stuff for that so that, hey, I'm going to identify what's most important, you know, priorities in that case. And so based on the first part of that automation that you have from your network and network monitoring and visualization tools, 
now you can build on with your other security tools so it can use that and leverage that. Sometimes security tools are not going to catch everything because you haven't connected all the way throughout your whole network. Mm. Right? Makes sense. Because you didn't know what your full network was. Mm. All right. And therefore, now we have you know, those tools. So Cool. All right. All right. All right, so moving on to the next topic of the day or week. Are we going we're going to do this weekly, bi-weekly? I think bi-weekly, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, topic of this episode. Um, we had one of our listeners comment on our LinkedIn, mm-hmm. um, which we have our LinkedIn page The Lojo Show, saying that they would like to hear us talk about how to break into the cybersecurity industry, which is near and dear to my heart because I just did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, everyone would like to hear Lovitcher's thoughts on that. Yeah, so let's start. Uh, let's kind of start at the top, right? Um, cybersecurity has really been kind of a complicated, really a uh, an addition of several things. You know, you've got IT, IT network engineering, information systems, and applications. You know, development you know, on one side of that. On the other side, you've got infrastructure, and you've got uh, you have compliance in those areas. So when you start talking about cyber, the industry is kind of broad now. You've got your you know, your technicians, which are kind of like your cybersecurity technicians, your hands-on keyboards and stuff from there, right? The folks that do do things like our, our you know, ethical hackers as well or offensive cyber, you know, as a component of that, you've got analysts as far as those who have been trained to do specific things. So when you say cyber, you want to kind of take the industry and break it into its different components, mm. right? Um the cyber, you know, the, the, the cybersecurity director is different than a CISO, uh, a chief information security officer, right? Typically, cybersecurity is a department right now that would align under the CISO, most organizations from there that carry out both offensive, I'm sorry, mostly defensive type cyber activities. And that is one, um, being able to scan and monitor your organization to deploy different tools like antivirus and malware protection and those types of things. And then three, uh, you've got the, uh, uh, you have the components of cyber as far as uh, being able to continue to develop, right, and putting in tools and capabilities and stuff from there. So you have those kind of technicians and technical backgrounds and stuff for that. That doesn't make you not being able to come into cyber or if you don't have a technical background because you also have the compliance piece of cybersecurity, right? Where we think, talk about things like risk management, um, being able to understand from the organization of, hey, we operate at this risk, therefore we should spend this much money to address our risks. You know, these are, you know, these are some of the, the, the tools and stuff you have. But if I'd say, if I was today a college student and I want to break into the cybersecurity in- industry, first thing is, is learn something. One of the areas, just get familiar with those areas. Like if it's, if it's um, you know computer, computer security, or systems administration, right? Mm-hmm. That usually provides a really good base, you know, for most. So you're able to kind of step in, right? The other part is, is that we have this very I don't want to say new, but we have a prevailing cloud industry now too. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that does or that is an opportunity is to one, begin to look at how do things like Amazon Web Services and Azure work, begin to um, get into their programs for certifications. I mean, each one has a security program as well, in addition to being a general cloud you know, engineer or so from there. Uh, and then from there, be able to leverage that experience to move into cyber positions, 
right? Okay. Um, so just to just kind of from a you know from a you know, from a bootstrap standpoint, you know, find an area in IT or risk management or something like that that gives you an initial base. That's what's going to make you. That's what's going to make you um, appetizing uh, to get a job, a first entry level job. Let's say that within cybersecurity. So you're saying like for that first entry level job, get like a more technical foundation. Like to just break into the industry? No, you could either do technical foundation or you can be a compliance okay. geek on top of that, right? Okay. And I say that and I mean that in the most you know friendly way as well, right? <laughs> because compliance is a big is a big part of this as well, right? Right. Especially um, right now it's all in the news. Yeah. And so all the time. you know, if you have the opportunity to be able to work with, let's say, uh, someone, uh, let's say a senior engineer or so through an audit or an assessment of mm-hmm. your IT infrastructure of your you know, cybersecurity controls and stuff from that. Well, great. Now you've got a little bit of experience, right, um, on that. And then on the other hand, if you've got folks that say, hey, I've got a technical background stuff from that, great. More of you are needed in cybersecurity. But you do have to well round out that technical side by learning some on the um, policy side, on the policy and administration side of cyber. Because basically that's what's going to drive what you have to do as a technician within cyber or even just within general IT. So both sides are well needed, right? Um, Being able to put together a cybersecurity program, one that's going to allow for your organization to be compliant with different laws, regulations, Mm -hmm. right, and systems requirements. And then on the other side, you're going to need people that that also are are capable of uh, doing those integrations, right? The people that will actually, you know, turn the screws, write the scripts, (laughs) right, deploy the capabilities, very learns, very quickly as far as some of the more heavy technical components of cyber. Uh, while I would like to say that there are many, many unicorns out there that have mastered both sides of that, um, not many have, mm-hmm. right? Um, typically, if somebody's been very technical in cyber, they like to be technical and will like to stay in that area there. And then typically, you don't usually have the folks that have come along within, um, you know, within the policy and programming area and stuff from there that necessarily want to get so far boned up on on, uh, on technicals that uh, they lose sight of what they want to do in the compliance world, mm-hmm. you know, of cyber. Makes so sense. There are sides, you know, there are, there are sides of that, and there are some people that kind of exist down the middle of that. Uh, if you're able to do that, that's great. Um, but if you're able to go on the side of both, you know, on compliance as well as on the uh, technical side of cyber, that doors those doors are open to you. We are a very underserved industry right now. Mm-hmm. So... Even with that, you know, moving in a direction in which you get just some initial experience, uh, like I said, just doing an assessment or whichever. In some cases, maybe you can even do a pro bono and stuff to that. If you're aggressive in that way, as far as kind of have that entrepreneurial experience or spirit, there's a wide open world for you in cyber and cyber consulting. Okay. Would you say that there's um, any sort of maybe personality traits that lean you towards one side, the more technical or the more uh, compliance analytical? It's what you're interested in. Okay. All right? It, it, it is. It's what you're interested in. You're going to succeed in the things that you're interested in. Right? So if you're interested in, uh, in, in, in being an analyst or a sim analyst or, or uh, even a sim developer or so from that end, within that world, then great, that's what you're suited for and you like doing that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're suited for really doing programming and looking at controls and assessing and auditing your organization and stuff too, that too keeps the organization safe. It keeps them in a, in a, in a position to be able to capitalize in the marketplace. So 
Uh, if you like that, don't shy away from it. Go ahead and continue to grow your knowledge in those areas. So this is where you then are also looking at other certifications like your CISSP, your GIS, you know, GIS stuff too, as far as SANS. Um, and then in addition to that, you've got the different um, platform, you know, specific certifications and stuff too in the security industry. So this is where there are so many, it's such a broad industry now that you can take pretty much a lot of the, you know, the personality and as well as your interest and in, in that for it. I wouldn't say I have, I've found that one personality is, is dominant in the industry over another. You need all, you, you need all the personalities within that, right? Um, it should matter, again, it's a matter of how interested you are. You know, if you're going to be an analyst, well, you better be interested in the stuff you analyze or else you're not going to be thorough. Right. Right. Makes sense. You know, if you are a, if you are a, uh, cybersecurity, let's say, um, a cybersecurity engineer, well, a lot of times you're going to have to know controls mm -hmm. and then you're going to have to know how those controls apply to a, you know, to a technical environment. And then somewhere in there, you're going to have to learn how to brief someone that's in a C-suite or someone that's in a, a higher position that may not be cyber, but have a lot of say on how and what mm. you can do in order to secure the organization. All right. So, you know, really, you, you don't even have to have a tech background to come into cyber. Uh, what you do have to have is uh, the ability to look and say, hey, this is what it says it should be from a control standpoint. This is what you're missing, and this is what we think you might be at risk for. If you can kind of walk through those types of uh, interactions with uh, people, organizations, there, you know, you can you can fit into cyber. Um, would there be any? I don't want to say like a cure-all or a magic wand or something, but what certification base, if there is one, would you recommend someone have? Um, I mean, I think if you're just starting out in security, of course, I think a security plus is a good start, okay. right? Um, there's um, there's uh, entry and stuff too, as far as on the CISSP. Now, granted, you, you're going to need years of experience and stuff to to get the credential to, to get your CISSP. But learning the domains and stuff that are within that program is actually very good. It gives you a broad knowledge base from there. Um, doesn't quite go like deep down into one topic or another, mm -hmm. but gives you a broad knowledge base for security. And basically, as you walk through life in your security life, you're able to kind of take that and compartment, not compartmentalize, but, you know, say, hey, let me group that under this area, right? This is Cat an encryption issue. Yeah, you can categorize okay. things like, hey, this is probably an encryption area. This is a network security area. This is a crypto area. This is, you know, these are things that you need to be able to, to, to do as far as organizing both your thoughts and how you present this information in the future. Um, you know, of that. So it gives you that broad basis from as far as from a CISSP. Okay. And then from there, I would say some of the SANS courses and labs and stuff from there as you develop. SANS usually typically indicates that somebody has really made some time commitment into actually, you know, developing their security background or whatever it is they're pursuing. And it's because it's, a, it's pretty extensive deep dive programs. Isn't you know, SANS like, a, like a, a yearly conference type thing and you go and take classes there? No, I mean, SANS is an entire industry now, right? Okay. So SANS has their certification, their education areas and stuff too. Um, so, I mean, it's been uh, also, you know, as far as the different leagues and certifications uh, that they uh, provide from those certificate programs are really, you know, renowned within the industry and respected. No, I mean, I, I guess ultimately the, the first step is just really to be aggressive as far as in pursuing it, right? Mm -hmm. um, I would say that 
cybersecurity does tend to um, does tend to reward the you know the the aggressive. If you're aggressive about going after a career goal, and this is what you want to do, you know you make it known in your LinkedIn, in your Facebook. Everywhere as you approach, and then uh, go in the and, Starbucks yeah. uh, drive-through line. Yeah, and and again, go and apply. I mean, you know, go and apply for those things, but be prepared. You know, in there as far as when you go and talk about cyber, that you can talk about some of the different domains of cyber mm. uh, that's there. Uh, also, if you are um, pursuing something as far as like in 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 um, the in a compliance area within cyber. Uh, being very organized on it is one of the keys right there. Uh, if you can't be organized and you're going into that compliance uh, arena there, then you're not going to give your clients justice. You're not going to do yourself justice and stuff in there. Um, you need to be able to, to look at things, you know, by control or by, um, you know, by policy and determine whether they are or are not in policy, right? And then also figure out on what are some of the steps they need to do to fix it. So... I think as far as in showing, one, your organization, your interest, um, curiosity about the industry and the will to keep growing, and that in your knowledge, whether that's technical or within compliance and policy, then you know, you'll get your chance in the industry. Again, it's, we're very underserved. There's not enough cybersecurity engineers and background mm-hmm. to fulfill all the jobs that are out there. So guess what? This is, a, you know, this is a, 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 an employee's marketplace now, right? You go and... Interview likelihood is you you'll get one of the jobs. So just be aggressive in the marketplace for that. Mm. The the problem that I had when I was trying to get in anywhere, I think I did over three hundred fifty mm-hmm. job applications. Was I got like two interviews mm-hmm. out of three hundred applications, and like wrote cover letters for each one of these. Like it was a whole extensive thing. So how? Do, I mean, I get the the being tenacious, not giving up, and keep pushing, mm-hmm. but. What is something someone trying to break into the industry could do to get that okay. first interview? So I would say this, um, conferences, right? Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, if you are in the, or if you live in the Orlando area, right, or in Florida or so, there's always a cyber conference in Orlando. I don't care what week, <laughs> what week it is. There's always a conference that's coming, you know, that's coming into those areas there. Those are great places to, one, be able to go and network. I mean, as a person in cyber or so, and as a, say, say if you're a student that's just coming out, out first year out of college, or even a student that uh, has finished their AA and hasn't graduated from college, making your way to those is, is great. One, you're exposed to, one, the people in the organization that are important enough to be shipped to Orlando to do a conference. Makes <laughs> right? sense, yeah. All right. Two, your people are in a state of mind at a conference to network. They know that why they're there. Mm. They know that they're there to meet people, right? And the other part is if you're looking for young talent, we need young talent in the cybersecurity industry, right? Because, uh, again, as technology continues to evolve, um, you know, my kids are going to be more apt to the technology that is of their day because they have more interest than I do, mm. right? And then so on and so forth. Makes sense. Right? And so the same thing with cyber. The different tactics, techniques, ways, and uh, methods that people use as far as within cyber, you know, those are going to continue to evolve too. And so as you are pulling on staff that are more and more, let's say, uh, based in that, great. Like, for instance, social media for the, you know, for some of our millennials, right? That is like, that is, you know, that is their way of life, Mm -hmm. right? 
So the thing is, is that when you talk about cyber and social media and stuff too, because that's their way of life, they have a better idea of how do you analyze certain happenings within those environments, right? It's because that they have grown up in them. That's what they know. That's what they know, right? Yeah, you know, makes sense. Me, I'm a spark too. <laughs> administrator, <laughs> right? So uh, I don't, yeah, I don't do even I know what that is. Of, yeah, 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 I'm not going <laughs> to tell you either, but some people up here probably know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, but you know, in today's environment of the you know of our, of our social media and connected, or you know, really great environments that you know, exceptional IDE is able to provide as far as identity systems and stuff that are out there. Uh, that, that I would say that's probably where you know folks uh, my generation are probably a little bit weaker <laughs> is is Savannah and what that means. So yeah, you've got it's got to keep growing, it's got to keep evolving because mm-hmm. uh, the the landscape is. So how would you how would you summarize like just one sentence how would you summarize someone who let's say they got their security plus mm-hmm. they're just finishing up college mm-hmm. what in one sentence what would you tell them to do next so in one sentence do not just depend on applying online okay like i said get your rear ends to some conferences and stuff there they Networking. might cost you a little bit but in some cases they don't cost you hardly at all because you could just be there and be available to really speak to folks that are uh, that, that are there. And don't be afraid to ask about openings and jobs there. And if you want to, because of the amount of social media that you have, even at the conferences and the conference technology that's there, you will get the names of people that you can call on or connect with, you know, even through LinkedIn or so to begin to ask about, you know, employment and stuff for that. Mm. So right? like fo- focus on networking, getting those human connections. Yep. Yep. Focus on getting good at one or two things that are within the cyber domains, mm. right? And then from there, understand, going ahead and networking and being able to get yourself in front of those folks because essentially the hiring phrase as far as like when you submit an application online or a resume online, that's being screened, mm-hmm. right? That's being screened not by a person. It's being screened in a lot of, taste, in a lot of cases by the technology that's behind the site. Right. Right. And then they automatically they put on entry level positions like four plus years of experience on an entry level position. Yep, yep, exactly. And then it shoots, you know, it shoots the the recruiter, let's say a, a choice number of you know resumes that is picked and, and did an initial you know review on, right? Mm-hmm. So, cool. So it's a lot easier to actually have somebody where you emailed your resume to them, right? And now they can actually kind of work with you and work you know, with you to get on boarded somewhere right mm-hmm. um rather than when you do the blind submission and stuff online that's yeah, the, yeah. I, f- I found when i was trying to get a position that um linkedin was an excellent tool to leverage because of that i don't want to say more human connection but mm-hmm. you know better than submitting an application online and there was um a recruiter at um oh what's it called now something technologies at Patrick Air Force Base, mm-hmm. and I sent her a message because I had an entry level position, and she she herself like put me in for the position, mm-hmm. and I didn't get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, after that, she went out of her way to help me apply or, or to network me to other open positions. Yep. And I found that a lot of people in the cybersecurity industry, once you start making those connections, are very willing to help you, mm-hmm. which is really good. Trying to get into it and get a good start. So I definitely like what you're saying about the networking and going to the conferences. I never considered the conferences before. Well, yeah, I really don't care if you liked what I said. Though. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day. <laughs> um, wow. It's, uh, yeah, it's ruthless here. Um, 
Yeah, it, it, you know, differentiating yourself in cyber is in some cases kind of difficult, right? Mm. I mean, you read the resumes, like you have to read a resume twice, typically in cyber, right? Yeah. When, we're, when we're hiring here, you got to read the resume like two or three times just to make sure that you are getting what you want. Because a lot of these guys have professional resume writers and stuff helping them now. I mean, resumes, yeah. the quality of resumes that we get now. There's a whole industry just the resume about just itself resumes, yeah. Is, I mean, it's beautiful. I mean, I've seen some like just works of art that just come across the desk and you're just like, wow, that looks really good. Yeah. And what it's saying is really good. And it hit all the marks and it gave them five stars. But then when I talked to them, mm. right, when we're speaking... One of the key uh, one of the key things that you can say as a potential cybersecurity candidate is, I don't know, but I can figure that out. Mm. Important phrase. Yeah. And don't nod your head yes the entire time when talking to someone. That is actually an indicator of I don't know what the heck you're saying, but I'm going to nod and smile so that, you're, so that it's there. Don't do that. Oh, okay. You know, stop us, I'm, right? I'm nodding my if head we're right talking now. or we're say, if we're in an interview and we're having a discussion about your credentials and then we're having a discussion and say, maybe I might ask a question that's out of left field about something you have nothing or know nothing about, right? I want to see how honest you are about that question, mm-hmm. Okay. Um, there might not even be a right answer for that question, but I want you to be honest as far as, you know, what is your understanding of it in there? The, the idea is this. We want resourceful people mm. in our industry. If you don't know it, there's enough resources out there to go and find out, right, and figure it out and get it done, right? There's enough resources to be able to do that. Uh, and so that's one of the keys there. I will always take a more resourceful person over someone that has, like, every single great grade in the book, certificate in the book there. But if I can see that, hey, you know what, they're going to work hard, but at the same time, they're going to learn and figure stuff out that they need to figure out. Um, you know, it's out there. And so you can't beat that type of mind because, again, you know, cyber really begins with the analysis, mm. right? If you're not interested enough to go do analysis, I don't think you're going to be a fit in the industry. Well, that's all for this episode of The Lojo Show. We introduced the new season, talked about some of today's cyber news, and discussed how you can break into the cybersecurity industry. The industry is always expanding. If you are interested, I highly recommend you look into cybersecurity as your next career. Let us know what you think of season two. You can leave a comment on our Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or Twitter, and YouTube pages. Or you can send us an email at officiallojoshow.com at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. We also want to give a quick shout out to our new listeners. Over 20% of our listeners are from overseas. Welcome to the show, and we hope you all stay connected with us. With that, we will say goodbye. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Stay safe and stay secure. Cool.